turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Happy Halloween. Uh, I guess it's at, you know, happy whatever it is. What did we say for that? But uh, anyway, I hope that you're having a good time. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show today. You know, what are your favorite candies, least favorite candies? What are your costumes? Those kinds of things. And uh, try to have some fun with that. We need a lot of fun, right? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. You can watch us, by the way, on KKLA.com. I'm holding up the number. I keep it on a card because I'm always afraid that I'm going to give out the number for people to call into the show, and then I'm going to accidentally give out my cell phone number or something, and then uh, <laughs> then I'll have to change it, right? Because not that I don't want to hear from you on my cell phone, but really between 3 and 5, that's when I want you to call me. 888-528-2557 is the number. It's not that I don't love you. You can call me at home, you know, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people listening, and then uh, then I get a lot of stuff. All right. Uh, I do want to give a little update. You know, the war, it's going to get uh, worse and worse, and many of the things that we need to pray about are, of course, that it doesn't expand, you know, beyond the borders that are there, and I think there's just going to be lots of terrible, terrible stories uh, throughout all of that. I want to talk about the idea of the language that we use, though, here uh, with regard to even some of our own politics or disagreements that we've had over the years, the divisions that we have. Words like extremists and domestic terrorists and words that uh, seem to be uh, applied in so many different ways to basically people you disagree with, you know. And my point is this. We've got to stop calling people who have different views than we have whatever, whoever the we is, extremists or racists or Nazis or whatever horrible term is out there. Because whenever, because those things are real, there are, I don't even like the word extremist really for anybody, because what does that mean? But Nazis or racists or those are real things. You know, there are real actual white supremacists out there who do terrible things. There are real people who act like Nazis. And, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing we're seeing actual domestic terrorists who do things. There's a difference. And if you pay attention to some of what is going on as we try to describe these things and the battle that is going on, you see this in particular with the administration right now trying to uh, maintain a, a very firm view on what's happening in Israel, and yet many people on the left are opposed to that. So there's a lot of pressure there. But part of the problem, I think, is that we have lost the ability to call things what they are. There have been several exchanges um, with the White House about w- how do we define the student groups who are marching, particularly the ones who are calling for death to Israel or death to Jews or uh, those kinds of things. Does President Biden think the anti-Israel protesters in this country are extremists? What I can say is what we've been very clear about this. When it comes to anti-Semitism, there is no place 
we have to make sure that we speak against it very loud uh, and be uh, and be very clear about that. Remember what the president decided to, when the president decided to run for president is what he saw in Charlottesville in 2017 when we, he saw uh, neo-Nazis marching down the streets of Charlottesville uh, with vile anti-Semitic uh, just hatred. And he was very clear then and he's very clear now. Uh, he's taken actions against this over the past two years and he's continued to be clear. There is no place, no place for this type of vile and despite, despite this, this kind of rhetoric. So she doesn't answer the question. The question is, are these people extremists? So she brings in uh, the white supremacists. If you remember the Charlottesville thing, it uh, happened whenever they were going to tear down that statue. And then this group came in and it was scary. I was I I thought that was horrific because it was a bunch of like Klansmen not wearing the hoods over their face like they didn't mind showing their face and they're carrying torches and everything. And yet I don't think extremist is the right word because that's such a relative thing. They're hateful, bigoted people. But what's happening now is that that has always been sort of politicized to put like this only happens on the right. And now what we're seeing every day is, no, the same language and the same sort of thing is being said by educated people on the uh, on the left, too. Do the same terms apply? And if you can't apply the same terms, then the terms don't mean anything anymore. Does President Biden look at these anti-Israel protests on college campuses and think it's nice to see that the country's youth are so involved? Or does he think the next generation is doomed? Here's the thing. There's no place for hate in America. No, 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 no. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, there's no place for hate in America, and we condemn any anti-Semitic threat or incident in the strongest terms. And you heard me say at the top, I gave a message to students uh, who are feeling, who are feeling under threat right now, right? You know, we're tracking these threats very closely. We are there for them. Uh, No student should have to be able to go to class, live on campus in fear. And, you know, these incidents, these reported anti-Semitic incidents at schools and on campuses, that should not be. We have to condemn them. See, we what have she's, to condemn them. What she's saying is fine, except that she won't apply the same term to the same thing. And that's where we, we destroy our language by politicizing words, words that should have very specific meanings, words that do matter because there are actual extremists or racists or bigots or domestic terrorists, if you want to use that. Those things exist and there is a difference. And if you just apply it to one side and not the other for doing the same thing, for really having the same language and the same intent, maybe even worse – then those words don't mean anything. They're just politicized words. And then what happens is, is you, and this is something that is happening in our country, we, we, we hear those words that should cause us to say no to that behavior or that belief or that thing that's being taught. And if those words aren't used correctly, then what we do is we don't even respond. And we say, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. And it's because the word has no meaning. We're taking away the meaning of the word. This divides us further. Same thing on the idea of domestic terrorists. People in this country making violent anti-Semitic threats, are they domestic terrorists? I I don't uh, know that we're classifying people as domestic terrorists for that. I mean, that's really a question better left to law enforcement. I'm I'm not aware that there's been such a, uh, a characterization of that.
You see, the domestic terrorists are uh, you if you go to the school board and you don't like it that there's uh, pornography in your second grade's classroom. See how that is? We have to stop that. My view is that language matters, the words we use matter, and it especially matters when we're talking about very serious things. We have to stop calling people just because they have a different view, an extremist or a Nazi or a terrorist or whatever. Uh, you know, here, let me, let me throw this at you. Who's the more extreme? The Muslim, Christian, or Jewish or atheist parent who goes to the school board to protest pornography in the classroom, or the student of any background who goes to a protest and holds up a sign that says, by any means necessary, referring to supporting the Hamas savagely killing Jews in the kibbutz? Who is the domestic terrorist? Who's the domestic terrorist? Who is the people who are for or against mask mandates? Like That's a serious thing. We have serious disagreements about mask mandates and the vaccine mandates. But are those domestic terrorists really? Or is it the person who suggests on their Twitter account that people should murder the children of the people who are supporting Israel and suggests that you Google their address and then uh, and go murder their children, your children? Like there is a difference between those two, right? If you don't like my view on the vaccine or the mask or some political thing, that's your right. That's fine. Hopefully we can get along and we can go hang out. You can be in my Bible study or small group or we can get coffee. That should be all fine. But if you say, hey, I don't like your view and I'm going to put out there that somebody should murder your children, we're probably, you know, that's a different thing. Now I'm going to have to guard my house. Now I have a, it changes things. See, those things are different, but we apply the same language. Our language needs to reflect what is true, but we've gotten so used to calling people extremists or Nazis or even terrorists that now when it's really happening, we don't have words to describe it very well. You know, this is an area where the Biden administration needs to just say, no, they're extremists too. You got to use the same language. If you're going to use it on one side, you got to use it on the other. And uh, you got to be consistent. Now, the uh, Biden administration, by the way, this is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I see a couple of calls for Halloween. We'll get to that. I promise we'll have some fun with Halloween today. But uh, we do want to talk about the news. That's what we do a little bit here. And I think this is important. And there are real-life horrors going on in the world today. And, you know, one of the stories is that a refugee center was bombed today. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are, uh, you know, they debate. There's a lot of debate about how many people were killed. It's between probably 50 and 500, depending on whose numbers you want to believe. And honestly, it takes days to figure that out, uh, maybe weeks or months to figure that out. But uh, for sure, uh, people in a refugee center uh, lost their life through an Israel bomb today. Israel says, no, we were murdering, uh, we were getting, we were killing the uh, person who planned this uh, attack from Hamas. And what Hamas does is they put themselves in the midst of refugees, in the midst of civilians. And uh, they put their headquarters under the hospital and they put their their uh, rocket launchers on top of of grade schools and things like that. That's part of the horror. The uh, Biden administration has been consistent in talking about this. And, you know, I think it's also clear for the same reason. And I'm I'm doing this because I feel like these stories are going to fade. I think this war is going to go on for a while. Maybe we're going to have a bigger role in it. Uh, then, uh, you know, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. And I think it's possible. I think it's possible that this is sort of contained. You know, lots of people are worried about it spreading. It might but uh, it could also just be contained, and in a few months, there'll be uh, 
some kind of international need to restore whatever's left of Gaza. That will probably be the case. Um, but in the meantime, we should not forget that there is, uh, while all war is horrific and there are atrocities and tragedies that happen in wars from all sides, there's a reason that we believe the Nazis were the bad guys, even though the Allies did some terrible things. There is a reason for those things. The Biden administration has been pretty good from all angles, at least of their top officials, their top officials, at maintaining this. Anthony Blinken was in Congress testifying to that uh, today. Including, and if you'll forgive me, because, again, these stories recede so quickly. And this is a, this is a bad story, by the way. So I'm going to play it. It's just, it's just going to describe a gruesome thing that happened. That uh, So if you just need to plug your kids' ears or turn the radio down for like, you know, a minute and a half. Um, not even that long here. Uh, how long do we have? 46 seconds. Okay. Uh, do that. But I'm going to play this because it's not, you know, there's far worse out there. But we can't forget that there is a difference, right? There is, in the midst of everything that is horrific and everything that is terrible about war, there is still a difference, right? That's why there's a Geneva Convention and international laws about war, and it just seems odd that there would be that, right? But there is a reason because there is a difference. This is the Secretary of State. Uh, A family at its breakfast table at one of the kibbutzes. By the way, the profound irony of attacks on kibbutzes, the very people who most ardently believe and want a future of peace between Israelis and Palestinians, a future of two states, Uh, A family of four, a young boy and girl, six and eight years old, and their parents around the breakfast table. The father, his eye gouged out in front of his kids, the mother's breast cut off, the girl's foot amputated, the boy's fingers cut off before they were executed, and then their executioners sat down and had a meal. That's what this society is dealing with. And no nation could tolerate that. And as we've said repeatedly. See, and that's true. No nation can tolerate that. And that's a horrible story. I'm sorry to play it, but not sorry. Because if we cannot differentiate that between even different kinds of military strikes on military bases whenever there are wars or military strikes where you try to not kill civilians or you, you don't have much of a choice because people are guarding themselves. There's so many different layers to this, and it's all horrible. You can't deny that it's horrible. But what you just heard is barbaric, and you, it's not tolerable. You can't do that. Every country in the world would respond like Israel is responding to any other country of the world where that would happen. We've been equally clear that it is vitally important how Israel does this. And the imperative of doing everything possible to protect civilians as well as to care for those who are endangered by the conflict is something that we feel strongly. Hamas doesn't care about civilians. In fact, Hamas wins when Jewish civilians die, and they also win when Hamas, when uh, Palestinian civilians die, because they will leverage all of it to their greater goal, which is to kill Jews, which is what they say. Not my opinion. It's their opinion. It's what they say. See, you can see why we need language to matter. When we call people extreme or we call people racist or we call people murderous or, or terrorists, those words have to maintain some kind of integrity. Otherwise, they begin to have no meaning. And then you decide, well, it's all the same. It's not the same. You're, of course, right that this is a special burden on Israel because Hamas cynically and monstrously 
puts intentionally civilians in harm's way by hiding behind them, by using them as human shields. By the way, every country in the world believes that, except for some who have decided to be on the side of Hamas for the extermination of Israel and Jews. Everybody. Democrats, Republicans, people in our country, people across the world, they believe and report that Hamas uses citizens, Palestinian kids, as human shields. That's their tactic. That's what they do. And the reason for that is they don't care about the death of those people because they can leverage it for their own PR. There needs to be language that describe the evil of that. By placing its people, by placing its equipment, uh, by placing its ammunition, uh, its uh, weapons, its command posts, underneath hospitals, underneath schools, in residential complexes. But for each of us, and particularly for democracies like Israel and the United States, we have to bear the burden of doing everything we possibly can to ensure that civilians uh, are not harmed and to care for those who need our help. See, and, and he's right about that. And you might say, well, that seems unfair. Well, Israel should not go into Gaza and cut off the fingers and uh, gouge out the eyes and do exactly to them what was to uh, the Palestinians, what was done to them. That there is something about being a democracy, about being a free society, that you can't do that. As, as horrible as it is that bombs get dropped and civilians get killed. See, there is a difference. And we are in a world today where we have gutted the meaning of words, where we have created a, a, a moral, uh, you know, a sense that everything is the same morally or that you just contextualize things to fit our political point of view. We cannot do that. This is an important thing. The Secretary of State continues talking about this today. When it, when it comes to a ceasefire, in this moment, you're exactly right. Uh, that would simply consolidate what Hamas has been able uh, to do uh, and allow it uh, to uh, remain where it is and potentially repeat what it did uh, another day. And that's not tolerable. Uh, no nation would tolerate it. And he's right. No nation would tolerate that. And if you're listening and you're saying ceasefire, you know what? It would be good if everybody laid down their weapons worldwide. And if you want to end this, this, you know, if Hamas lays down their weapons, if the Hamas surrenders, then this could end pretty quickly. I think that there would be something that would be um, done to facilitate that if it was sincere, if people thought that was for real. But other than that, that's it's kind of the nature of war. And and I don't support war. War is something that Jesus will come to end, that the sword will be bent into a plowshare, right? That the lion will lay down with the lamb, that our hope in Christ is that we have ultimate peace whenever Jesus returns. This is very important. But to keep something in mind here is that there is a difference in war, and people have always thought so, between one side or the other. You can have moral clarity even though the whole thing is immoral, that it shouldn't happen. Anthony Blinken continues this way. We do believe that uh, we have to consider things like humanitarian pauses to make sure that assistance can get to those who need it and that people can be protected and get out of harm's way. But we can't have a, a situation where there's a reversion to the status quo, where when this is over, it goes back to Hamas being responsible for the governance uh, and uh, so-called security 
uh, of Gaza because that's simply an invitation to repeat what happened. And again, no nation would tolerate that. So that is the United States position. That is the Biden administration position. Republicans and Democrats mostly uh, in office, not all, but almost all, agree with all of that. There's a group of people who don't. Um, and, you know, none of it is is okay. This is something that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't have to happen. But like he says, is there are certain things that happen in this evil world that are not tolerable, that no nation would tolerate. And what do you do? And that is one of the big questions here. My point in all of this is you cannot just say everything is the same. That, you know, nations and when we threaten and then domestically, we can't just start calling people terrorists or Nazis because they disagree with us on some political issue. Because there is... And that's one of the reasons I think that we get so divided is when you call somebody a terrorist, you're comparing them with people who do what Hamas does. You're calling them people who would come to your house and mutilate your mom and dad in front of the kids, then mutilate the kids before killing them and then sit down at the table and have a meal around your dad. It's just so far beyond the pale. It is the worst of any human behavior in all of world history. And it's different. And you have to fight that. You cannot keep that going. Otherwise, everybody's dead. That's that's what happens. I got to take a break. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I see your call, Rudy. I'll get your call when you come back. You can call and join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can follow me on social media at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. And you can watch us now at kkla.com. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Talking about the issue of moral equivalence, and, and mainly I'm talking about the language that we use. There's a, uh, it's called... Uh, Godson's Law, I think is what it is. Godson's Law, if I have that right, what it is is that some professor realized that in any online conversation, it doesn't take long before somebody decides to uh, call somebody a Nazi or bring Hitler into it somehow. And uh, that's kind of true if you follow that stuff online. But the thing is is that usually what that is about is how people just get frustrated with each other in some uh, disagreement and then call each other a name and a horrible name, Nazi or or terrorist or, you know, something – and the problem is, is that when we use those words in an official capacity to describe the people that we don't agree with, call them extremist or something, because they might have a different, you know, view on taxes or a different view on government spending or a different view on a, you know, a normally normative uh, issue, then whenever you have issues of war and mutilation and actual terrorism and death you don't have words to use anymore or whenever people do come on the scene who actually do act like Nazis or have similar philosophies, the word doesn't have the same meaning. Racist is another one. That is, it matters to get that right. Um, And I'm hoping that in all of this chaos that we're having that we realize that and go back to using words the way they are meant to be used. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. Rudy and Brea, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. 
Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. I don't know if it's fair to compare mutilation by sword versus mutilation by bomb, especially at the scale that a bomb can do. And uh, these bombs aren't just um, designed to destroy. They're also designed to terrify and uh, cause tra- uh, psychological trauma on, on whoever is being bombed because that's how they were designed. I don't know if you know. And, and even up until recently, we used to use flamethrowers. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's I don't know if it's fair to compare mutilation by bomb versus mutilation by sword. I don't excuse that. I think the Islamic extremism should be called out for what it is, but I don't think it's fair to compare the the different types of mutilation. Well, I I think uh, I'm trying to get your point here. There is a, wouldn't you say that there is a difference though between one group aggressively starts to attack another by sitting down with you and mutilating your kids in front of you and then mutilating the parents before they murder you and then they sit down at the table and have a meal while you're you bleed to death that's i think that's different that's that's but... that's an, that's different than a response to that and a bomb being dropped even though what you're saying is correct is that everybody who is dealing with these bombs falling are going to have a lifetime of psychological problems if they survive it you're correct about that but isn't there a, a moral difference in the motivation if, for if each if, if they're just going to drop bombs and say whoops i guess it got somebody else i don't see how I, i'm losing i'm losing you there can you say that again rudy we didn't hear your last comment i said um to just drop a bomb and say whoops and not have a level of discretion that's just as evil because even even if you're responding to, to something and you if you're just going to drop bombs I'm, and i agree with you that we shouldn't call things that they're not yeah like i think you know people being called racist or sexist is definitely a, a cop-out that a lot of liberals use when the, the conversation gets tough but i also think that um conservatives you know they dramatize things quite a bit too like um so let's just call it for what it is. It's 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 horrible. And, and if if you drop bombs on some on on a group of people and and you kill one Hamas person and you kill a hundred citizens, what, what is the what is the ratio that would be comfortable for you if that's an appropriate response yeah. of militants to, to citizens to, yeah. to civilians? Well, give me a number. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. There's no number that's comfortable because it's all terrible. Right. So the in in the rules of war, which also is terrible that we have rules, the rules are legally if civilians die, but because you're going after a bad guy, then it's allowed. If you're deliberately going after civilians for only the purpose of killing civilians, then it's not allowed that. and, And the thing is, is, you know, and something else I think that you're saying here that that in a big picture troubles me a little bit is that not what you're saying i'm i'm it troubles me in the big picture is that i think a lot of us in america you know unless you're in the military you haven't actually experienced actual war and you don't know you know before we get rah rah hey let's go to war we have to realize that it is a terrible thing for everybody 
um, involved. And I think that's something that, you know, what concerns me about some of the, and just I think in general when we're talking about going to war, the, I don't know that we have the scope of how serious that is, you know, how dreadful that is going to be, uh, how it is for people who experience it, no matter what side you're on. Like it is a, it's a terrible thing. You understand what I'm saying? That there I agree is because uh, we haven't fought any any wars in our homeland. You know, yeah. There's the the battle's not being fought here. And I think you know for the Iraq War and for the war in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan, um, the Pentagon puts the civilian casualty at about five hundred thousand. Yeah, and that's, that's huge. The Pentagon. And the independent groups, they put that number at about a one and a half million. Mm-hmm. In a country in Iraq, like that has 20 million people, one and a half million casualties of the Iraq war is a huge percentage of the population. That's right. And to, and to think that we went over there because the 3,000 Americans died in Imagine the react. Imagine, I mean, remember how we all felt after 9-11? Mm-hmm. Imagine that number put at a hundred times that. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I think there is a a a moment where we're going to have to, as a society, get real sober about that, and we're not. Right. That you know what I think is that if this becomes a much bigger war, then we might actually see combat here. I don't think we are aware of what that means. We just have also, we not, have not experienced that. This this is I I totally agree with you. I think it's a little bit romanticized in our culture because we're not, or maybe just because we have the best technology, or maybe there's a bunch of video games that that's the reason why we romanticize it. But here's a side question. I was wondering. I'm not a Christian, but I don't understand. I don't see why Christians go out of their way to 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 justify war when I, I know they're called to be peacemakers. And I know that being a Christian is your first identity. So the na- the, the national differences in the borders, that you're, you're more connected with other Christians in, all over around the world than you are, than you are your own countrymen. You know what I mean, you're, if that's, if the church is one, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. So what, I don't understand why Christians go out of the way to defend the wars when I I feel like Christians should be trying to build bridges between people and yeah. trying to to stop the war and be peacemakers. Yeah. I think that um this is a subject that particularly if this war becomes bigger, Christians are going to have to deal with it in a way that they haven't for a long time. Um because there is a call for Christians to care about justice. And sometimes you have to go to war. I mean, the world had to go to war against Hitler. They had to. Um, There was no other way. There is a time for that. Um, And it doesn't even make it right. And then there's – and then even in that, there's a question of, you know, what does the Christian do? Does the Christian have to be a conscientious objector? Um, Or does the Christian um, arm up and and fight the battle? Those are questions that not all Christians agree with. You know the answers to uh, Christians yeah. debate that. Yeah. The I think that the greater, you know, at the end of that argument, is that the Lord doesn't like any of it, and that's why it ends whenever Jesus finally returns, and that the reason for even the tension that we have in that subject is because we are in a fallen world where brutal and horrific things happen, 
and you have to respond, right? There's, there is a time when you just have to respond. Um, there is a time to turn the other cheek as well, right? So there is, there is a lot to unpack with that. It's a worthy question. Uh, at the end of the conversation, though, is that this is a fallen world that needs to be saved. And if it doesn't, you know, and there's there's the implication of the Bible, too, that if eventually Jesus doesn't come back, then we do kill each other just over. Uh, and that's the direction of humanity without Jesus eventually ending it um, and justice being done uh, in that way. Those are all good questions, uh, Rudy, and I appreciate that. Keep uh, searching, my friend, and thank you for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, good talking to you. Yeah. It's, uh, all of those are good questions, right? That's what we do here. I know it's a hard subject, but we're going to have to face that. I was listening to a guy talk about this, and he said something. He's a military analyst, and he said he was talking about our own country and our involvement. He said something really interesting. He said, you know, our military has gone to war many times since World War II, but our country has not gone to war. And he said, you know, our military families have experienced the horror of war and the loss of war and the sacrifice of war. But we as a nation, if you're not connected there, have not. And what he's talking about is in World War II, also World War I, when the country goes to war, if the Congress were ever to declare war and we have a real war, Everything changes. You, the, all of the car manufacturers stop making cars. They make military weapons. Everything that is in industry becomes about war. It's we go to war and we sacrifice and we have to have the power cut off at night. And we have – there's so many different things that happen that we have not experienced. And the idea that that could not happen one day is, I think, naive uh, particularly in the world that we live in. This is, you know, I, I figured this is kind of a scary subject for a lot of us, but this is why we've got to be as Christians on our knees and praying. This is why we're called to pray for our leaders. You know, I play all that stuff from the Biden administration because they are at least consistent at this point, but there's a tension in there when it comes to the language that's used, who's a terrorist, who's an extremist. You know, when you call you know, parents who go to a school board terrorists, uh, that's a huge problem when now you're dealing with Hamas and you're dealing with uh, Jewish people who can't even come out of the library on their campus, right? It, those are different things. There is a a complete difference in uh, in all of that. Christians need to be about serious justice and serious truth about all of these things. And we have to realize that our hope is in Christ. Our hope is not in winning wars or fighting wars or not fighting wars. Our hope is ultimately in Christ. And, and Jesus plays, you know, lays that out there for us. So there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Um, this should not be surprising. Maybe this is a uh, big, uh, big thing for the end times coming soon. Maybe this is just another step toward that, but we're really still far away. We don't know. But either way, we need to have a very sober view about all of these things. I got to take a break. I see your calls, uh, Denise and Mary and others. I'll get to your calls uh, as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 
Um, if you would like to go to the Resist the Drift Marriage Conference, it's this sat- Friday and Saturday, November 3rd and 4th. It is at Calvary Chapel, East Anaheim. Uh, you got to sign up right away. Go to kkla.com to do that. It's this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Great date night if you want to do that with your spouse. In You know, if you're saying, ah, we're doing fine. You know what? You might be, but you also might be drifting apart. And the idea here is we want to help marriages drift closer together to get back on the right path. And some of our marriages, you know, we struggle with, we all do. I think if you're married, you struggle with being roommates rather than soulmates, right? You, you pay the rent and you pay, you know, for the bills and you, you work hard for the household. And, you know, this happens a lot when you have kids and then you have kids and the kids graduate and then you look across the breakfast table and you go, who are you? Why are you in my house? You know, you don't want to get to that point. And Resist the Drift is about this. And so go to kkla.com, and our guest speakers are – it's not guest speakers. It's put on by Focus on the Family, and from Focus on the Family and Salem Media is Greg and Aaron Smalley. They will be there. They're great. We had Greg on the show a week or two ago, and uh, they're funny. It's a lot of fun. This is uh, not a, a difficult, you know – thing where they stick you on the couch and say, what's wrong with you? Um, it's actually a lot of fun, and I think it will inspire your your marriage, a great date thing to do for the weekend. So it is coming up November 3rd and 4th. It's this weekend, Friday and Saturday, Calvary Chapel, East Anaheim, so central to anywhere in Southern California. Go to kkla.com right now and click the banner right on the front page to get your tickets. Also, there is a coupon code for, I think it's 10% off. It's RTD Flash 10. RTD flash 10 is the coupon code for that when you are checking out. All right, we've been uh, talking about issues of, uh, you know, how do we deal with the the different moral questions and the terms that we use um, when we call people terrorists or extremists or uh, different words like that. Let me get the phones. We have a few different calls here. Mary in Burbank, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, hi, Pastor Scott. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was just listening to your to your conversation as I was driving, so I was like, I have to call in. I wanted to ask you something, actually. Um, so I know, you know, we're watching the news and we're seeing what's happening in uh, Israel and Palestine and all these terrible things that we're witnessing and we're talking about. I think a question for me comes up is, um, you know, there, there was a war that happened in 2020 with the uh, with the Armenians in Artsakh, and um, you know the Armenian Christians who, who you know I'm sure as most people know the first country to accept the Christian as their religion in 301 AD. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that you know and not to compare, I, I just trying to understand how the war in 2020 and and still like this year in September when when they had Azerbaijan attack Armenia and, you know, and there's still war, there's still terrible, inhumane things happening with uh, that country and the people that they're treating. And had not gone discussed, you know, a lot of Christian channels, a lot of Christian pastors uh, had gone silent. Even the, even the president had gone silent for a while. And mm-hmm. I just, I just wonder if as a group of people, like why we pick and choose if, if those are also Christians, and even if they weren't, but even if they're Christians, why are those people are not being talked about, and why are we forgetting that continuously they're getting tortured and, and their beheadings yeah. and rapes and all these things that are happening? I just for, for me to understand, in your opinion, why why do we not talk about them? Why are we pushing that to the side? And and not that you know talking about another person is, is bad. Yeah. It's just 
why are they why have they gone silent on that topic yeah I, com- I completely understand where you're coming from and you know uh, on our show we have done a couple of episodes on uh, what's going on there with Armenia and uh, Artsakh and uh, Azerbaijan Turkey the whole thing so we have had uh, some time dedicated to that I appreciate uh, what you're calling you're calling about because it doesn't get a lot of press and it doesn't get a lot of attention and you know what happened actually uh, said Artsakh where Azerbaijan came in and did similar things to what Hamas did you know re- raping women and chasing yeah. people it was horrific and this wasn't very long ago just a couple of months ago um, yeah. and you know it made very little news I saw one report on a local news channel about it. Um, there were several protests and things that kind of made some uh, news and some effort here. Uh, a lot of Armenians live in uh, Glendale, Burbank, uh, where you are, North Hollywood, that area. And uh, it doesn't get the same attention. And there are uh, battles going on around the world that get almost no attention or no attention, actually. Um, yeah. You know, part of the reason for that is there's there's multiple reasons one is whenever there's a perceived interest of the united states that's going to get the most attention right economic interest or trade interest you know is it a battle that we're going to send troops to or not that's going to gain more attention it's not really fair but it's it's what happens Mm -hmm. and and then the other thing is that israel is just a huge deal globally it's a huge deal for christianity i would say that part of it isn't that God doesn't care about what's happening to the Armenians. He does, and he's very intimate there, and he cares what's happening in Ukraine. He cares what's happening in battles in Africa and uh, uh, other parts of the world, and he cares about the Christians who are there, and we all should be aware of that. You know, I, I think if God's – if we're looking at the, you know, God's website, God's you know, Heaven's News website, those are the stories that are above the fold, what's happening to the believers around the world. And so I think with respect to that, the Lord is giving it a lot more attention. Israel um, is a bigger story because it has the very serious potential of drawing the entire world into World War III, which is for real. And um, and it's not that what's happening in Armenia actually isn't connected, because it's connected to Russia and Turkey. And, you know, the concern I would have right now globally is all of these conflicts actually could conflate into one thing that's for real um but you know when we're talking about israel we're talking about religion we're talking about uh islamic uh fundamentalism we're talking about uh the holocaust there are so many issues that are connected there and we're talking about the book of revelation right it's such a uh, massive thing that's the reason and i think it's it's very frustrating because i know uh, many people in our armenian uh, population. Uh, I got to speak at an Armenian men's retreat uh, a couple of weeks ago, and right. and I'm aware that this is hard there because there's issues with Israel and who they trade arms with, and uh, yeah. who the United that's, that's States. The right. I mean, there's there's a lot uh, to this that affects people differently. Right. Right. Um, war and economics of war um, are terrible. They're terrible, terrible evils. Uh, you know, when you I, think, I guess. You know, Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I guess my other question was, knowing that Azerbaijan got its weapons from Israel, the drones to be used against killing Christian Armenians in, in Azbach, I wanted to also ask you about that and your opinion about why Why would that... I mean, I'm just trying to understand why a country who's, who's faced Holocaust 
who's president, knows all these painful things that the Armenians have also gone through in genocide contribute to helping, I guess, in your, just in your opinion, mm-hmm. helping other Bezan kill more Christian Armenians. I mean, I know, I, I understand at the depth of it, it comes back down to money and what they gain, but I, I'm just trying to see the, the humanistic side as, as a country who, you know, who's, we, we're all fighting for and making sure that, you know, protect Israel, but then Israel is also attacking Christian, helping attack Christian nation like that. It just makes me question everything that's happening, and I'm trying to I'm trying to be as Christian as possible when things like this come up. I just, I want to ask you as a pastor, what do you think about that? Like, do you think, I mean, obviously it's not right, but why would that happen? Why would they help a country attack another Christian country? Yeah, all of it is terrible. And the issue of, of arms dealing and the countries, I mean, look at us. We probably are, you know, paying for a lot of Hamas's weapons that they're firing into Israel, right? And we're paying for a lot of Israel's weapons that are getting fired back, right? There's very, it is a dark thing. In fact, in the Old Testament, the Bible, one of the warnings that God gives Israel about one of the reasons he doesn't want them to have a king is he said, you're going to end up being becoming arms dealers. And that's what they became by Solomon, their second, third king. They're already arm, dealing in arms. Um, and all countries are doing that. And when you're dealing in arms, you're dealing them to people who might use them. And you may not support how they use them. I don't know that Israel, mm-hmm. I don't think Israel supports any of that that's going on. Um, but that is the pipeline that's there. What I would say, and I'm out of time here, uh, everybody, but you know, what I would say is it's the evil of the whole thing um, that war is and the economic side of it. Uh, thank you for your call, Mary. I do appreciate uh, what you're, you're talking about. Hey, Ted and Steve and Johnny, uh, if you want to hold on there, uh, I might grab your calls when we come back, but we're going to change the subject here in a second. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast at the Pastor Scott Show, wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on social media at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned.